This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to a special Sunbelt Tournament Victory Edition of the Thursday Night Podcast, episode 122. My name is Jordan and I'm joined by Brady and David. Georgia State Panthers are the 2022 Sunbelt Tournament champions after their 80-71 victory against the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns in the Sunbelt Championship Final. The victory puts an exclamation point on a remarkable turnaround for Georgia State, who just a few months ago sat at the bottom of the league after an 0-4 start to conference play. This marked the Panthers' fourth Sunbelt Tournament victory since rejoining the league in 2013-2014 season. But first, let's break down what happened to send Georgia State dancing. Against Louisiana, as with their two prior games in the tournament, Georgia State started strong and had to withstand a furious second-half charge from their opponent to hold on in this one. Sunbelt Tournament most outstanding player Corey Allen helped Georgia State open an 11-point advantage at the break, with the Panthers again finding their three-point shooting at just the right time. Georgia State shot 6-for-11 from downtown in the period, and while Louisiana shot 48% from the floor, they were a touch below the Panthers, who shot 50% even. The second half went similar to the prior two games for Georgia State, cold shooting for most of the period, but doing enough to keep the opposing team at bay. Despite Louisiana outshooting Georgia State 38.7% to only 34.8%, Georgia State was a perfect Wendy's 4 for 4 from downtown, while the Cajuns were 3 of 13 from distance in the second half. A pair of Jordan Brown free throws with 7 minutes 29 seconds remaining capped off a 6-0 Cajuns run, which cut Georgia State's lead down to 3. However, from there the Panthers clamped down on defense, and their lead never went lower than 5 for the remainder of the game. Allen matched his semifinal season-high mark of 29 points, this time shooting lights out from 3 and going a perfect 12-for-12 at the charity stripe. Elias Osame had his trademark double-double with 12 points and 13 rebounds, while Jalen Thomas and Kane Williams each finished in double figures, adding 12 points and 10 points respectively. Georgia State spread the ball around as they compiled 20 assists in the winning effort. Louisiana were led by Brown's 24 points, with Greg Williams Jr. adding 15 in the losing effort. Despite the loss, Louisiana shot well from the floor and a respectable 33% from three-point land, but were just a hair behind Georgia State for much of the game. So, gentlemen, I know you have all sorts of stuff to discuss from this game. How about it? What you got? The thing that was, you know, remarkable to me was how it was both surprising and not surprising at the same time. Because it was surprising in the sense that, you know, you talked about it, just how low the lows were. And that at that point in January, that we'd, if you'd told me we'd be talking about George State punching their ticket to the big dance... I would have had a lot of follow-up questions. But then at the same time, I was not surprised having witnessed all of these games in Pensacola this weekend because Georgia State was locked in the entire time. And, you know, the offense shined more in the App State game. The defense shined more in the Arkansas State game. And in this game, you kind of got the best of both worlds. But the truth of the matter was that whether it was offense or defense, when plays needed to be made and the late stretches of all three games, Georgia State was the team making those plays, led by their senior guards, Kane Williams, Corey Allen, and Justin Roberts. You know, Corey had the game against App, and Kane had the game against Arkansas State, and Justin had a great game tonight and got a little overshadowed, like didn't get to have it to be where all three had their own game, so to speak, because Corey was so damn good in this game. And, you know, it just, it's the 
blueprint of what we thought this team was going to be, that they could rely on these seniors to make the plays they needed to make. And that's what they did in this game. And they got to rewrite the history after not having last season end the way that they wanted to. And they're going to the NCAA tournament. They absolutely are. And, you know, I think the stretch that you mentioned where they just came to play, I think that extends a little bit further out than, you know, just the tournament. I think for the the past like month and a half, you know, Georgia State has found ways to win a ton of basketball games, whether it be defense, whether it be the bigs are going to be dominant on offense, whether the guards are going to show that experience and, you know, that talent that they have. You know, I think Georgia State has decided that okay we're not going to be a team that one person is just going to shine every single night and it worked i mean you know (laughs) i say that knowing that Corey just dropped 29 points in back-to-back games to win the tournament but at the same time though you know you look at where georgia state has kind of grown from you know that poor start at the beginning of january and you look at them now you realize that yes you're going to have nights where Corey is going to shoot lights out you're going to have nights where kane is going to be kind of that leader like you said he was against Arkansas State. You're going to have nights where Justin Robert is going to lead, you know, the team in scoring or Jalen Thomas is going to lead the team in scoring. But the bottom line is everybody's going to have a role and everybody's going to find, you know, that thing that they're doing in that one specific day. And, you know, it's probably going to lead to success. And, you know, this is why we're talking about Georgia State winning the Sunbelt tournament. I mean, everybody was capable of sharing the ball around today, you know, 20 assists. Like, have you, when has Georgia State done that, had that high number against the D1 team this year you know in the first half of this game against Louisiana they were being incredibly selfless with the ball guys making the extra pass finding the open shooter you know taking what the defense was giving them and kind of spitting it out and you know it was great basketball to watch yeah and you know even especially as the results weren't going well this year and shots weren't really falling for long stretches where just the shooting percentages were in the thirties and the forties. And it was just not what Georgia state had in mind. A guy like Corey Allen comes to mind that like he had decided to come back. He wanted to be a part of this championship team, get a chance to go after losing the title game last year. And he picked a great time to have his two best games of the year, dropped 29 back-to-back games in the semifinals and the finals. And it got back to vintage Corey Allen where no matter how the shot was coming, whether it was off good action or whether he just had a little bit of space and wanted to put it up, you got back to feeling like it was going in no matter what. And it was tonight. You know, if you look at it, he had five of six from three, all 12 of his free throws that he took. And it, there were things that didn't go exactly to plan in the second half after a lot went right in the first half and they had that nine point lead at, halftime but as we were going down the closing stretch and it was getting nervy it was it it was less nervy for me just on one basic level that Georgia State won games exactly in those circumstances the previous two nights against teams that were able to make runs after they had held the lead and been the better team and you know then it got to that stretch where those final five and change minutes and the people making the plays were the Georgia State players. It was the guards were making foul shots. And, you know, Louisiana did about as good as they could have done in the circumstances when they were down in like the neighborhood of like seven to nine points in the final few minutes. They kept getting quick fouls 
and when they were getting fouled, they're making both the foul shots. And there are other times after Georgia State was shooting free throws that they'd get down the court super fast, beat everyone back in transition and get an easy layup. And none of it mattered because Georgia State kept hitting two or two from the line in the final minutes. And so it never got closer than like seven in the final couple of minutes because it kept being like trade two for two. And at that point, Louisiana needs to trade one for four, you know, like one for three, two for three, even one for two. All George State just kept matching it. And that was kind of a theme in the second half that there were some potential haymakers from Louisiana. There were a couple stretches where they hit back to back threes that Georgia State matched with threes of their own. And there was just never a moment that it felt like the momentum fully got into the court of Louisiana. And that felt important. It did. And, you know, I credit Louisiana a ton. You know, they were running a zone in the first half or a stretch and it really just didn't work. You know, Georgia State was picking it apart on the wings. You know, Justin Roberts got a couple open threes. You know, I think Evan Johnson also hit a three. You know, on just a poor defensive breakdown from Louisiana. But I think also the bigs were just kind of dominating on that inside point position. You know, Jalen Thomas was hitting that nice little facing the basket eight footer. You know, LEL was that's where he kind of made a lot of his work early on. And, you know, I think Jaheim, <laughs> Jaheim Hudson even, you know, he kind of had like a nice little rolling uh, screen and go. And then he hit a three uh, to kind of I'm cap telling you. A very weird over, stretch. Over the years, he's going to keep building that three. Like, I trust that three shot. Like, it's in the 20s percentage-wise this year, and you don't really want him taking more than one or two a game. But, like, I trust that jumper. Like, I think it's going to be there as he continues to develop as a player. I just, total aside, I wanted to put that out there. I think when he learns when to take it, like today's game, when he took it, that was fine. Um, he absolutely will learn to take it and he'll start making them more consistently. I think you're right. Uh, But, you know, I thought that the defense for Louisiana definitely did a much better job of, you know, pressuring the ball handler uh, on every single possession in the second half. Um, Ultimately, I think Louisiana just got a little bit tired, though. You know, they had to play a very rough first half. You know, Georgia State brought that full court pressure, you know, that pressure on makes that they employ. And, you know, going on offense against that is exhausting. Going on defense against a team that wants to, you know, have a ton of possessions, it's exhausting. And, you know, that's kind of where Louisiana just lost their step. Yeah, you know, Louisiana only had 10 turnovers in the game, and I think that number's low for what Georgia State would have wanted, given that Georgia State is pretty prolific at forcing turnovers, and this was a team that already turns the ball over a fair amount anyway, but add into that that this was their fourth game in five days. Like, I think that it was a missed opportunity for Georgia State, and if you tack on a couple more of those live ball turnovers that we've seen in the first two games of this weekend, maybe the lead stretches out earlier, larger and it isn't even going down to the stretch where it's a kind of a contest but you know leaving that aside i think where you saw the fatigue was just that when they needed threes down the stretch they took 13 in the second half they only made three and that was after going three of five in the first half from downtown it's i just think after as many minutes of basketball they'd played this weekend guys that had been really reliable that their three-point shooting had won them some of these games that they'd played previously and to get to the title game, 
just they didn't have the legs anymore for it and it, it just kind of showed the shots were coming a little short and the other part of it is that Louisiana is a good rebounding team and Georgia State edged them out 36-35 uh, still gave up 14 offensive rebounds and they were able to get some second point second chance points off of those but you kind of had to take in that that was going to happen like we saw firsthand just how crafty a big guy that jordan brown is like you can see why a school like arizona is who recruited him in the first place and he had some moves especially near like the end of the first half he put some moves on i think all three of the bigs or at least both jalen and jaheem that just created so much space and he had a wide open layup and I think they did a better job on him in the second half, but the difference was that he started getting fouled more in the second half and making his foul shots, and so he still got his. He still finished with 24 to lead all Louisiana scores, but I just think the way that the moment set up, you know, you talk about the three-point shot that Michael Thomas had that was wide open when the score was 55-52 Georgia State, would have tied the game. The shot misses. LEL gets an and one at the other end, makes the free throw. It's back to a six point game. And from that point, it never got closer than five. You know, and that was key. Yeah, you're right about Jordan Brown. You know, I think I can't remember who he put in the spin cycle to get that and one, but, you know, he played a hell of a game. And, you know, Georgia State was, I'd say, not, I won't say barely able to contain him, but that, you know, they did a good job and you know, kind of kept him at bay when they needed to most. It's a marginal thing. But I think the fact that he only had eight rebounds does kind of matter. Like, the number doesn't matter in itself, like eight versus nine, whatever. But I think if he's sitting here with, like, 24 and 12, first of all, I think if he had four more rebounds, a couple of them have been offensive, we're probably talking about, like, 30 and 12. And, like, that would have been kind of an important difference in the game, a distinction to make, because I think if he is able to get a couple more of those rebounds and create a couple more of those second chance opportunities for Louisiana, maybe there's a couple more stretches where they're able to get some points where they came up empty and, you know, kind of points to another part of the second half where, you know, Georgia state struggled offensively for much of the half after having a great first half. But the issue for the Cajuns was they couldn't take advantage. The lead stayed about where it was even as Georgia State was still very cold, going four plus minutes without making scoring a point, even let alone making a shot from the floor, and it wasn't until really after that stretch that they got it close. And at that point, they didn't know it, but they activated the trap card that is Georgia State closing time, where Georgia State guards are just going to take over the game, earn the title bid. And indeed they did, you know, like we've said, hats off to Georgia State for, you know, finding the plays that they needed to find when it mattered most. It's honestly incredible that they're here. You know, just kind of on just the general birth of. Like, I feel like the the season would be received a lot differently just if this one game had gone the other way and also just the reign of Coach Denier at Georgia State, like. Losing twice in a row in the title game, you know, if you look at it big picture, you still made the title game two years in a row, but it would have felt like just, oh, this team can't get over this hump. And it would have felt like a real, like, I felt like this was just such an important win for them to get. And, you know, you look at it now, 
they've been the Sunbelt representative for three of the last four tournaments that have happened. You know, granted, there was one more in there that we don't really need to talk about where they were eliminated, but then the tournament didn't happen. So it didn't count in the Sunbelt numbers, you know, like there wasn't a tournament in 2020. And so there wasn't a Sunbelt representative in that tournament. It just couldn't have been Georgia State. But three of the last four, you've kind of reset. Like, this is us. We're the standard of the conference. And there's stuff that didn't go how you wanted to this year. And when all is said and done, and certainly it's not all said and done yet, we're still going to find out where this team's going to end up in the NCAA tournament. But there's going to be some change in the offseason. There's going to have to be guys to step up. There's going to be guys that come into the program and probably are going to be expected to be impact guys pretty quick. But man, does it feel different than if they lose this game or any of these games in Pensacola. It's another year without a tournament berth. You know, it simultaneously feels like this thing where it's like, it's been forever, but it also hasn't. And it's a part of a continuing run where Georgia State's able to kind of show where they stand in the Sun Belt in the basketball side of things. So, of course, Panthers will find out their seed line and opponent on a Sunday, March 13th. During the Selection Sunday program, we will keep you up to date on all the goings on related to that and everything else at Georgia State Sports. Back to regular Thursday podcast releases this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.